If you have your uh, forms for the new church directory, they need to be turning by the 9th. Since she's not here today, I will do my best to replace her for the day, all right? I'm not going to do near as good, though, all right? But if you have it completed, give it to me, and I'll get it to her. Um, but we want to make sure that that is taken care of, all right? For the new director, we do need you to fill out that form. There's extra copies in the back on the back table. I know we've got stuff in the system, but this is sort of a way where we can make sure that if you want in it, that you write it down. And if you don't, then we're just going to assume you don't want in there, okay? We're not going to hunt you down, but we're just going to let you know we got to the ninth, all right? Um, then as well, revival uh, Thursday, April the 6th through Saturday, April the 8th is Bethel Baptist Church uh, just up here. And uh, this past week, I want to stop for just a moment and say thank you guys for coming out this past week. It was such an encouragement to have the crowd that we had and, and committed week, uh, night after night. We had some great preaching this week, some great messages. And like I tell people all the time, for revival or, or anything, every message might not be for everybody, but it's for somebody. And that night that you come, you might be that somebody. So praise God for the week that we had. It was a great, challenging week. But this Thursday, I'll be going to preach a night for Bethel Baptist Church for Pastor John Tilly. Um, that's at 7 o'clock, April the 6th. And um, I'll talk with Josiah or something, try to let y'all know. But we'll try to have a van here uh, if you want to ride a van over at 6.30, I guess. Because it ain't but just up the road or so. But uh, I'll let you know in, uh, if you want to. If you know where Bethel Baptist is, just meet us over there at 7 o'clock. And I don't care so much that you come to support me. That's nice of you. But we want to support them. All right, We want to support uh, Pastor John and the work that the Lord's doing through him there. Uh, then as well, next Sunday is Easter Sunday, so that morning we're going to have 6.45 sunrise service, and following that we'll have a church breakfast in the fellowship hall. Uh, the church is providing uh, biscuits and sausage gravy, from my understanding, as well as coffee and drinks, so y'all bring the rest, whatever you want to share, we'll have a good time. But we will have the, uh, as long as the weather's good, we'll have the service out here on the front lawn, Okay. So if you want to, there's benches, or you can bring you a chair. But it'll be a shorter service, just a short sermon. Uh, as the sun comes up, we'll pray, might sing a song, and then we'll go eat. No Sunday school, no PM service, but we will have a 1030 worship service, and make sure you come be a part of that. Wednesday the 12th, we're going to have a missionary with us, uh, presenting his work, um, Josh Clower. He's going to Mozambique. How many of y'all know where Mozambique is? Me either. But he's going there. We want to hear what the Lord's got for him. But it's, uh, it's uh, grateful just to have a missionary with us. Um, I can tell you this from, from friends of mine who are missionaries right now. It is a hard day to be trying to get on the field or already in the field because churches are dropping their support like flies. And I want to tell you and, and just thank you so much how you have let the Lord use you we might not be the richest church or the biggest church, but this is a giving church, and I praise God for it. I didn't announce it last Sunday. I'd forgotten to. But uh, for Manny Almavez, our missionary, for his van ministry, in two weeks, you guys raised $3,000. So praise God for that. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, praise the Lord for it. So that, that means the world. If we can't support missions, we're in trouble. So we need to support them and uh, just pray for them any way that we can. Then as well, Sunday, April the 23rd, we've got a special day. Uh, we're going to be starting our service that day with a baptism and ending it with the Lord's Supper. So I'm looking forward to that day uh, to celebrate what God is doing in the life of His church. Now here's what I want to do. Uh, the past few weeks we've been opening up with a, a scripture and then praying and then singing. And this morning the Lord gave me this verse. 
Revelation chapter 22, verses 12 and 13, Jesus says, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Today, if you are in Christ, you, as we talked about in Sunday school, you can rest assured that Christ is coming again, and He's coming quickly. It's going to happen that, that fast and faster. Today, it could be today. It is imminent. It is coming. And because Christ is coming, you know what we ought to do today? Praise Him. We ought to be unashamed to praise the Lord our God as we gather with the saints of God and we hear from God and we hear what He has for us. We ought to worship Him as if He could come before we make it out of this place today. And what a day that would be. But as well as a challenge for those who don't know Christ today, do not wait, do not delay, for we are not promised tomorrow. You must repent of your sins and trust Jesus Christ. That's who we're here to celebrate and to worship today, and that's exactly what we're going to do. So let's pray this morning, and we're going to sing and praise our Lord. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. We're thankful, Lord, for the work that You're doing amongst Your church. Lord, You've provided for us that You have protected us, Lord. I pray that You would do so today as well, God, that You would protect us from the enemy, protect us from our own flesh. God, help us to come now humbly before You to worship You, to praise Your name. God, You're worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be magnified. Lord, with every word that we've got, with every breath in our lungs, God, may we pour it out to You as an offering, God, that we would be living sacrifices. We pray that today, Lord God, that there would be nothing that would be a distraction to us. Lord, that You would till up the heart soil today for each one of us, whether lost or saved, that You would prepare us for Your Word. God, that we would receive everything today by faith. We pray, God, if there's one who is not saved today, that they would repent of their sins and trust Christ alone for their salvation. We pray for each one of us, God, that You would give us what is needed from Your Word. And Lord, that You would do a work in us and through us. And Lord, that Your Holy Spirit would convict us, comfort us. And Lord, that today as we stand to our feet, that we would just sing You sing to you and, and praise your name that we would glorify you in all things. God, we just thank you for this opportunity and Lord, may you take it and use it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. Praise the Lord and blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Well, let's get started singing. Praise unto our God who deserves it, by the way. Stand if you're able. Uh, face to face. Hymn number 781, face to face. Hymn number 781. 1 Corinthians 13:12 tells us, For now we see through a glass, darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. We're going to see our Savior face to face one day. Amen. Face to face with Christ my Savior, face to face what will it be when with rapture I behold him, Jesus Christ to But a blessed day is coming. 
Since Jesus came into my heart, hymn number 503, 2 Corinthians 5:17 tells us, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Like that verse 2, praise the Lord. Since Jesus came into my heart. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought Since Jesus came into my heart I have lied in my soul for which long I had sought Since Jesus came into my heart Since Jesus came into my heart Since of joy o'er my soul like the sea billows roll since Jesus came into my heart I have ceased from my wandering and going astray since Jesus came into my heart and my sins which were many are all washed away Psalm 55, 18 tells us, He hath delivered my soul in peace. 
from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. It is well with my soul. Beautiful song and very reassuring words. When peace like a
big hand. All right, before we sit down, let's uh, have our little welcome time. Shake hands, smile, say hello, make everyone feel welcome, and act like it. Whether you believe it or not, you're glad to see them, okay? <laughs> I'm just picking. We have a special song now by Miss Ann Stone. Uh, so, Miss Ann, you come on and sing for the Lord's glory. Thank you.
Man, that's a beautiful song. Great message. Amen. Praise the Lord for it. Amen. All right, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer, and y'all please pray pray with me. As we ask the Lord to continue to help us in our worship service here today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege, the honor that we don't deserve, Lord, to be in your house, to assemble together in the name of Jesus to honor and glorify you in Christ alone. Lord, we just thank you for everything you've done for us this week. And uh, Lord, this year and years past, for that matter. And uh, thank you, Lord, for all your many blessings and daily benefits. And thank you, Lord, uh, for dying for us, most of all, on the cross of Calvary. Giving your perfect, pure, innocent, sinless, holy, righteous blood for everything opposite of that in us and you've done it for us and we praise you and thank you for that let us not ever forget Lord what you've done for us on the cross of Calvary Lord we ask you to help our pastor today he's not feeling well we ask Lord you touch his body his mind his spirit and uh, Lord help him to preach your word Lord this morning and with uh, liberty and boldness and strength and Lord that you might be glorified and, uh, Lord, for that precious soul that's in our midst that needs encouragement, that needs conviction, that needs to be saved, Lord, save that soul nearest hell here today. Draw that one nigh unto thee. And, Lord, we'll be faithful to give you all the praise and honor and glory for everything accomplished here today. For it's in your name we assemble, in your name we pray. And, Lord, we want to glorify you, Lord, through Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Okay. Christ, our hope in life and death. If you're able, please stand. Beautiful song here too. Christ, our hope in life and death. Colossians 1.27 tells us, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, and which is... Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ our hope in life and death. What is our hope in life and death? Christ alone, Christ alone. What is our only confidence? 
unto the shore, the rock of Christ. Oh, sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah, now and ever we confess Christ our hope in life and death. Unto the grave, what shall we sing? Christ he lives. seat. And now our pastor, and keep him in mind, and Lord give him strength to preach a message today, because he's a little puny. Amen. What a great day of worship. Thank you, Miss Ann, for that song, and thank you, JL, for letting the Lord light just to pick all those songs. Everything just flowed together from Sunday school off about every song focusing on the fact that one day we're going to meet our Lord. One day He's going to call us out of here that this life is not all that we've got to look forward to. Matter of fact, we ain't got much to look forward to in this life. The only thing we've got in this life and in death is Christ our Lord. He is our only hope. And as a matter of fact, if you have never put your trust in Him, you are living without hope today. You must be covered and cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Outside of that, there is no remission of sins. Outside of that, there is no hope for your life now or what's going to happen to you when you die. And one day you will die, or the Lord will call us out of here, and it will be far too late, my friends. Today is the day of salvation. Today, if you have not called upon the Lord to save you before this day, before this sermon is even up, ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins. Put your trust in the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our only hope. And He tells us in His Word that those who call upon Him, you will in no wise cast out. For whosoever shall call upon them in the Lord shall be saved. The Gospel is our only hope today. And I praise the Lord for just the the way He orchestrates and put things together to remind us of that. Take your Bible and turn with me for just a moment to John chapter 12. John chapter 12 this morning. This is going to be our introduction. And then we're going to get into the nitty gritty of the message today. Today we're going to be focusing on Christ, our Passover Lamb. The precious blood of the Lamb of God was sufficient 
2,000 years ago and it's sufficient today to save sinners. It is not only sufficient to the salvation of souls, but it is the very thing that sustains us, it enables us, and empowers us for the service of Christ our King. Without the blood of Jesus Christ, we will not have salvation, we will not have sanctification, nor can we sing as we just have about the one day where we can see Him face to face. Without the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, you and I are without hope. John chapter 12, verse number 12 today. I just want to give us this brief introduction. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees, went forth to meet Him and cried, Hosanna! I mean, save, we pray. Even the idea of save now. Save us right now. Blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when He had found a young ass, sat thereon as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, thy king cometh, sitteth on an ass's colt. Fulfillment of prophecy of Zechariah 9. These things understood not His disciples at the first. That just like us. But when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they those things which were written of Him, and that they had done these things unto Him. Let us pray. Lord our God, we come to You. We just want to thank You for this day of worship. We thank You for the sweet Spirit. God, I pray that now, Lord, it would not be me that preaches and teaches Your Word, but it would be You through the power of Your Holy Spirit. God, that You would apply Your Word to our hearts today. God, that You would rid us and protect us of all distractions. God, we pray that You would bind everything that would, would hinder us today. God, that You would allow us to confess all sin, to come before You humble and clean. God, that You would fill us up today, empty us of ourselves. God, that You might fill us up with You and Your Word. Lord, that You'd be glorified and honored. Go before us now. Do a work in our hearts today. God, we praise You and we trust, Lord, that You've got something for us today. Lord, may we receive it now by faith. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the week before Easter is often called Palm Sunday. We don't celebrate it a whole lot around here, around a lot of folks. We, we tend to, to give it to everybody else and to the, all the other denominations. I want you to know, this day is important. Christ riding in and the way in which it happened, it fulfilled prophecy. Palm Sunday, however, though, is not about the crowd. We often hear messages on a week like this around Easter. We've heard messages probably like this. One crowd one week, another crowd another. And we've heard uh, some about the importance of the donkey and the importance about the palms. I want you to know that none of those things are near as important about the lamb. What's important here is not the donkey. Now, that's a fulfillment of prophecy. Praise God for that. But that's not the focal point. The focal point is not the, the palm branches here. Even the focal point is not the crowd crying out, Hosanna, save, we pray. It's not the crowd that's crying out, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. It, it's not that. As a matter of fact, they had already rejected their King and they're going to crucify their King later that week. The focal point is Jesus Christ the Lamb entering into Jerusalem at the exact time needed. And He came into Jerusalem that week, not to set up shop, not to set up His kingdom. As a matter of fact, His kingdom from the Jews, His people had been rejected. This points though that there is coming a day where Christ will come again. It will not be on a donkey. He will be riding in victory and in triumph over a war that He has already won and conquered over sin, death, and the grave. He will come conquering those who have wagged their tongues and shaken their fists and against Him during that great terrible tribulation period. He will come as a warrior and a conquering king. and He will rule and reign. But on this day, He came. and He was a rejected king. But He came that day 
entering into Jerusalem as the Lamb of God. Jesus is the Passover Lamb of God who enters now into the gates. And that week it would be the place of His scrutiny and His slaughter for the sins of men. That week, much more than some lambs would be killed, the precious Lamb of God that John the Baptist who had seen Him said, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Later that week, the very sins of all humanity, past, present, and future, the very curse of sin itself would be laid upon Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. He would shed His innocent and precious blood to offer it for all to be cleansed by it. But here's the thing. Today, the blood of Jesus Christ has been made available to you, but it must be applied by faith. Without its application, there will be no salvation. Without the blood's application in your day-to-day life, you will not experience a sanctified life. You remain in your waywardness and in your sinfulness and without victory over your sin. We need the blood of Jesus. We must remember and rejoice that He came that day not to give us some Sunday school lesson or to give us some day where we throw up some palm branches and we get... Oh good, we're just a week away from Easter. We're getting ready to start eating some ham. We're going to have breakfast and special service and all that stuff. That's not what this is about. This is the day that Jesus Christ entered in knowing full well that He would be slaughtered because of my sinfulness. That He would willingly lay down His life for me. Take your Bible and turn back with me to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. We want to look back at Exodus 12 at the first Passover because we want to see how Jesus Christ is our Passover Lamb. It is His life that was laid down so that you and I would not die, but rather that we would live. It is you and I who now get to have an exodus from this world and from sin itself because Christ has willingly laid down His life. He has taken our place of which you and I deserve. But you and I can never pay the price for our sins. As a matter of fact, all the lambs in the world could never pay the price for our sins. It must be the precious and perfect and spotless Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, alone. Now the day that Jesus entered in there in John 12 and throughout the other Gospels that give other details about that day of Palm Sunday, there's something important that you and I often miss and we have to note. That was the same day that the lambs enter in through the sheep gate to be slaughtered that week. They would come in not just by the thousands, but by the tens times tens of thousands. Some historians say that even in the year of Jesus Christ, the the year that He was crucified, there were reports and and historians say that upwards of 100,000 to 200,000 would enter in. That's a lot. This was the week of the Passover. We're going to get into this, the week of the Passover feast, as well as the time of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. For a week, it would be getting rid of all this leaven. We'll get into that in just a moment. We see that it was an idea to purge themselves of sinfulness and to remember what God had done in Exodus. This is much more, though, to remember a just leaving of Egypt. This is to remember the sacrifice of the Passover that those Israelites that night during that tenth plague where the death angel would come and would take the life of every firstborn in the land, that 
those who had taken the blood and applied it to the doorframe, if you will, would be passed over. Every part of that meal that night would point to Jesus Christ. Every part of that sacrifice would point to exactly what Jesus went through on the Passion Week or that week of Passover when He entered in that day of the Palm Sunday that you and I call it. Everything there in this first Passover will point to Jesus Christ and that He is the greater and the final and sufficient precious Lamb of God. Exodus chapter number 12. Verses 1-11, through 11, we're going to see the Passover process. I want to read that for us. I want you to listen to this very carefully. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. This is their new year, if you will. It shall be the first month of this year of the year to you. Speak ye unto the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall uh, take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb... Let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And ye shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat of the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire. His head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall, eat, shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it, with your loins girded and your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. The Lord gives them these instructions because God is a God who offers safety, protection, and salvation to His people. On this night, this is the beginning truly of the time of the Exodus. God's people, as prophesied by the Lord Himself, even when He made the covenant with Abraham hundreds of years earlier, had said that His people would be captive in a foreign land. However, it would be for their good because they're going to come out of it richer. And that's exactly what's going to happen on this night. However, here's what had happened just to catch you up to speed a little bit. They had uh, been under bondage and God had raised up Moses. Moses said, I can't. God said, well, you can't, but I can. I just want you to be a vessel. God's not looking for you to be spectacular. He's looking for you to be available. He's looking for you to be a vessel fit for His use. And the easiest way to do that is to empty yourself of yourself and to be filled by His Word and to be filled with faith in His Word and what He has called us unto. Now He raises up Moses and several others, Aaron included, to go in and to deliver God's people. Now in the middle of this, God is doing several things. One, He's going to judge a wicked and perverse nation, an empire called the Egyptians. Y'all ever heard of the Egyptians? They weren't good people. They were pagan down to their very core. They hated the God of the Bible. They hated uh, the things of the Israelites. And they loved the things of the world. They had a God or a goddess for every little thing. 
They are full of pagan idolatry, and I can tell you this, where there is idolatry, there will be immorality, and the land was full of it. There's a reason why there is uh, seen in, in, theolo- in theology and the study of doctrines that when we talk about Egypt, oftentimes it is viewed as a place of sin or a type of sinfulness or worldliness. And it certainly represented it in that day. So God is going to judge a wicked nation. Praise God that God does judge wicked nations. It shows God's goodness. It shows God's justice. It shows His righteousness. But as well, in the middle of judgment, God also shows His redemption. And His redemption is specific. It is provided by Him. And the only way to receive that redemption is by faith in His provision. Now, as we look at this today, we're going to see that this Passover process is doing as well much more. God had already given nine plagues to the Egyptians. Each one of them is an attack against the Egyptians' gods. He is very much attacking and even belittling their religion. He is showing how puny their gods and goddesses are. He is showing the, the weakness of what the Egyptian Pharaoh would say, that he's got might and strength. He is nothing in his nation and his people and his religion is just a drop in the bucket, if not even a drop of the bucket compared to the Lord our God. God is showing himself who he is and revealing himself to these Egyptians and letting them know, I am the Lord. But he's also doing it to his people. The longer God's people remain in a place of captivity or in a place of the world, we often forget who God is, do we not? We forget who God is, and so God is not just letting these pagan people know, this is who I am, get your act straight, but He's looking at His people who often had forgotten Him for years, and He's saying, this is who I am. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the covenant, the covenant-keeping God, the promise-keeping God, the God who provides redemption, and today is that day. God judges not just to judge, but He does so not just for His righteousness' sake, but for redemption's sake. Now in this last plague, here's what He has said. Those who do not follow this Passover process down to the T, the death angel will come that night and will do a deadly work and will snatch the life away of every firstborn. When we look here, verses 1-11, through I want us to notice here, first of all, this Passover process begins here and ends with something that is important. In verses 14 to 20, here's what we find. We find the instructions for the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, which takes place at the same time. It says, And this shall be uh, unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by ordinance forever. That means forever. Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread, even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leaven bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And in the first day there shall be an holy convocation, and the seventh day there shall be an holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat, that only may be done of you. And ye shall observe the feast of unleavened bread for this selfsame day. I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. He's repeated it. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at even ye shall eat unleavened bread until the one and twentieth day of the month at even. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses, for whosoever eateth that which is leaven, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. Ye shall eat nothing leaven, in all your habitation shall ye eat unleavened bread. 
And why is that important? He gives this to them after the Passover instructions about that lamb, but He does so to remind them, I'm bringing you out of Egypt to take you out of the world. Therefore, we've got to get the world out of you. And here's the issue. You and I are ready to get out of the world, and we ought to be, but we must be just as ready to get the world out of us. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. And the world, however, corrupts us the longer that we're in it because we still have on this flesh. Praise God as we've sung this morning, that day is coming where we will be able to put off this flesh, put off this corruption, and put on incorruption, put on immortality. Nevertheless, the Passover meal begins here with this unleavened feast. And in the middle of it, it is cleansing the hearts and the home of the leaven of sin. We just talked about this going into revival to clean our hearts, to have our hearts purified before God. This should be a daily practice. And praise God that you and I are not Jews where we only do this once a year. We don't need a spring cleaning. We need a daily renewal and reviving of the Holy Ghost of God as He reveals to us our sin and we confess our sin to the Lord our God who is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need this daily. Now all things that are leavened for them during this time would literally be thrown out of the home to signify the cleansing of sin from the heart. And even today, different places, especially in Israel, where they still practice these rituals, they will still take things that are leavened out of their home. Why they put them there in the first place, I'm not too sure if they know it's not good. And then what they do is they'll burn them up. They'll get rid of them altogether. It is to signify a cleansing and a purifying of God's people before the Lord. And now in this, we find this process continues that the unleavened bread would be feasted on and would be a reminder of Israel's exodus and sustenance in the wilderness because God not, God not only provided that night of salvation from the death angel, but He provided unleavened bread for them in the wilderness to give them nourishment. It was called manna. And eventually they even got tired of it. Can you imagine such? To get tired of the blessing and provision of God. You know you're in a bad way when the blessing and provision of God is not good enough for your heart. That's how you know that you might have left Egypt, but Egypt hasn't left you. Now let's look at this. Furthermore, as we look in chapter 12, this process, verses 3-11, through 11, in verses 3-6, through 6, there is the selection and the scrutiny of the Lamb. Notice He must be without spot or blemish. Now, here's the idea. It means that He has no physical, uh, noticeable ailments, right? He doesn't have the cuts and the bangs. He doesn't have broken legs or bones. Now that's going to be important when we look to Christ. As a matter of fact, the Bible prophesies that He's not going to have a bone broken. And He didn't. Come this Wednesday night, we'll talk about the crucifixion process and you'll see this. It must be without blemish. Look at verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish. It was not an option here. It must be scrutinized and selected without blemish. A male of the first year, meaning this, he's not a child. He's entering into the prime of his life. He is growing into his adult body. Right? He, he's going to be stricken down before he can go any further. Furthermore, he must then be consumed. He says, and ye shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. Meaning this animal is going to live with them for a few days. He's going to be kept safe in their home. Four days, he's going to be carefully scrutinized to make sure that he does not have spot or blemish. That he is the lamb that is going to be used for this Passover. They took this seriously. You know why? Lives were literally at stake. One of their firstborns was going to die if they didn't have this right. Now then what we have in verse 7. They shall take the blood. 
Now we find the importance of this because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. We see this from the very Garden of Eden. It was God who provided the lamb. It was God who slaughtered the lamb. It was God who provided the clothing for Adam and Eve. But notice, to get the clothes for Adam and Eve, there had to be blood shed. And it was God who did it. We need the blood of Jesus Christ. Without it, there is no remission. Today, you can sacrifice animals every day of your life and it will do you no good because we've got a final and a perfect pure lamb, much more pure than anything they had that night of the Passover. We had a precious and spotless lamb of God selected, scrutinized, and slaughtered on our behalf. Now, the blood of this lamb after he has been slain is then applied to the doorframe. The blood will be no good to that household if all they do is kill the lamb and eat the lamb. Notice that. They must slaughter the lamb as God has told them. They must roast the lamb, but in the middle of that, before they consume it and have their little door locked up at night and they get ready to have their feast, you know what they must do? They must take this blood, dip it down. Almost imagine this. Go home today. Slaughter the first animal you see. Take its blood with a nice paintbrush you got in your basement or your garage and put it above your door. It'll do a couple things. It'll make you look crazy. Your neighbors won't come talk to you, right? But it'll give you a little bit of an idea of what this looked like. This was serious. This was a life that was taken to spare their life. The blood signified that a life had to be given. And you and I must never lose that fact, the importance of the blood of Jesus Christ, because His life was laid down for us and His blood shed so that my life would not be taken and my blood would not be spilt because my life and my blood could never atone for my sins. Only the blood of Christ. Then the lamb must be roasted, consumed properly by following the instructions given while being prepared to leave Egypt. Notice, God is not preparing them just to have a good meal and go to sleep that night. Matter of fact, He tells them, even as we get into this, in verse 11, you shall eat it with your loins girded and your shoes on your feet. Now, how many of y'all, the first thing you do when you get inside your home is you kick your shoes off, right? That's right. Here, here most folks, what you do, you kick your shoes off, you run around barefooted, like Ellie Mae Clampett, right? We ain't got no sense. We'll go walk on rocks and all that stuff. You know, we don't care nothing about no shoes. Here for them, he says, you're going to eat, and you're going to eat prepared to go, because God is literally removing them from Egypt that night. He is showing us Christ in Exodus 12 and what Jesus will do one day for us. And as well, He's showing a provision that one day He's going to take us out of this world forever. We are going to a promised land, but before we get to the promised land, we've got to be taken out of Egypt. And before we get taken out of Egypt, we've got to be covered and cleansed by the blood of the Lamb of God. I want us to notice verse 12-14. to not only the Passover process, because you and I don't often celebrate it, nor do we go through this process. When you go home, and even later this week, come Thursday night, you're not going to be sitting down for some unleavened bread and a roast lamb. If you are, invite us over, alright? We'll partake with you. If I drive by your house later this week, I'm probably not going to see you out with, with little Johnny and a lamb going, this is how you kill this lamb, little Johnny. If I do, the closest thing to that is we got is deer season. And then you're not taking the blood and you're not using it for sacrifice and you're not putting it on your, your doorposts. This was for the Jews. This is for God's people. 
This was to do much more than to get them out of Egypt. It was to show them that there is coming a more pure and perfect Lamb that must be slain. Now look at this Passover provision, verses 12-14. to God says in verse 12, and this is important, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. When God says He's going to pass through, this is not a, a joyful thing in the sense they go, oh, the Lord's passing by. We hear messages like that. And it's good when we're talking about Jesus' ministry, but here we're talking about God passing by in judgment of a people. Now that night, God is not only going to judge the Egyptians, He's judging His people. Whether they by faith partook of the Passover rightly or not, and He will judge by bringing death upon the home of everyone that does not have that blood across. He says, I will come through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. Not just, not just mankind here. But can you imagine this? The firstborn of every house is dying. The firstborn of every animal dying. It will be a night of weeping and wailing. A night where death will surround and darken all of the land. He says, And against all the gods of Egypt will I execute judgment. I am the Lord. Because He is the Lord, He is the only one that can judge. And everyone will be judged based upon one thing and one thing only. Do they have the blood applied or not? I can tell you this, that truth there in Exodus 12 remains the same today. The difference between you and the one who will die and go to hell is whether or not the blood of Jesus has been applied to your life. It's been made available for all, but it is only applied by faith in His finished and complete work. Those who do not have that blood of Jesus applied to their life, death and judgment will come for them, and there will be no escaping. And they shall know forever and forever that they sinned against the Lord and the Lord judged them righteously and justly. He says in verse 13, the Lord, excuse me, and the blood shall be to you a token, or for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you, but, I, but when I smite the land of Egypt. And once more, and this day shall be unto you a memorial. And you shall keep it a feast of the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by the ordinance forever. Here in verses 12-14 to 14, in the previous passage, we also find the provision of God. There's four things that God provides in this Passover night. First of all, He provides a substitute. God will kill in judgment the firstborn of every family, Egyptian or Israelite, that is not under the safety of the blood. There is a substitute that has been provided so that we, that firstborn of your home does not have to die. Even more so, as we're going to get into this, Jesus Christ is our substitute so that you don't have to die. And as a matter of fact, Jesus Christ is the perfect Lamb of God so that no other lambs or goats or bulls or turtle doves have to die for your sins. Nothing can atone. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not the blood of bulls, goats, or rams, but only the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ Himself. Now, every Old Testament sacrifice from the garden during the time of the patriarchs, during the time of the law, you know what each one of them signify? A substitute. Later in the year, the Jews would celebrate what is called the Day of Atonement. It happened once a year where the 
the high priest who could only once a year enter into the Holy of Holies, and he must do so by the substitution of blood of another. There must be the shedding of blood without there is no remission of sins. There must be the shedding of blood of an innocent substitute for the remission of sins for the entire people. There as well on that day must be a scapegoat of whom the sins are laid on, and he's sent outside of the camp. I want you to know Jesus Christ fulfills every bit of that. He is our towing lamb. He is our Passover lamb. He is the Lamb of God. Now where there is salvation, you can rest assured that there is a substitute because if we didn't have a substitute, we could never have salvation. I can't save myself. You can't save yourself. I can't save you. You can't save me. We can't save anybody. There must be a substitute. We find that Jesus is the true substitute. But where there is no substitute, that family will lose one of their own. This morning, raise your hand if you were the firstborn of your family. Firstborn of your brothers and sisters. Raise them up high. That's about half of y'all. Now, could you imagine half of you just... That sounds awful, don't it? Every family in here would be affected, wouldn't they? How about this? Maybe you're not the firstborn. Is one of your parents the firstborn? Raise that up. My dad's the firstborn. He's gone. He's gone. I'm gone. I'm an only child. I've got nobody to send up in front of me. Why is that important? There would be so much grief, wouldn't there? As a matter of fact, later on in this chapter, it says in chapter 12, verse 29 and 30, And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. Why does he mention the highest of the high to the lowest of low. Because death and sin affect the highest of high to the lowest of low. And it does not matter whether you're rich or poor, whether you're viewed as a god by pagans, or whether you are in a dungeon put there by the Pharaoh himself, you will not escape sin and you will not escape death. Judgment will come. It does not matter who you are, where you're from, what you're like, you will meet the Lord God one day. Those of us who are in Christ, praise the Lord that we get to meet Him covered and cleansed by the blood of Christ. We can do so freely and look forward to that day. Provided much more than a substitute though. Provided safety. Faith stays safely inside the home trusting in God's provision. That night is the Lord passes through and begins to smite those. They might begin to hear a neighbor cry. They might hear the moans of the Egyptians going, what has happened to my child? What has happened to my husband? What an awful thought. There's nothing worse than the grief of a mother who loses their dear child. You can hear the wailing and it's a sound that's more than just a cry. And that's taken place all throughout the land on this night. There is nothing but sorrow, but for those who have had the blood applied, there is only safety. They are safe and secure, not because their home is nice or fancy, not because it's well built, not because it's in the right neighborhood, but because the blood of the Lamb has been applied. God provides safety from His judgment. In Christ Jesus, I am safe. I am secure. 
I could never be more safe or more secure. The only safe place in Egypt that night was under the blood. And the only safe place today or in the days to come is under the blood. That's it. One commentator put it this way, A.W. Pink, he said, God's eye was not upon the house, but upon the blood. It might have been a, a loft house, a strong house, a beautiful house. This made no difference. If there was no blood there, judgment entered and did its deadly work. Its height, its strength, its magnificence availed nothing if the blood was lacking. On the other hand, the house might be a miserable hovel falling to pieces with age and decay, but no matter if blood was upon its door, those within were perfectly safe. I don't know what kind of home you live in. If you ride down Fulcher Street and you see my house, you know what kind of house I live in. You can look each other up once we get the director and you can go drive by each other's house and wave to each other all nice like that. And guess what? It don't matter a lick whether you're in a mansion or whether you're in a motel. We see that the only safe place is under the blood of Jesus Christ and is to be cleansed by Him. And God is not looking upon your outward man. He is looking upon whether your inward man has been clothed and cleansed and the blood of Jesus the righteous, the Passover Lamb of God. The third thing that the Passover provides here is salvation. Now here's what we find. This is a salvation for that night. But here's the only thing that we've got to understand here about salvation in the first place. Whether Old or New Testament alike, we find that no one has been saved outside of grace through faith. There is no one ever saved outside of God's grace. There is no one ever saved without faith. If someone is saved today, you are saved by grace through faith in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Ultimately, what we find is that salvation boils down to putting your trust in God's promise and provision. His word and His work. You can't put your trust or your faith in your word or your work. And if you do, that's called religion and it will send you to hell. What we find is that the only thing that we have to trust in is Christ alone. As we just sang earlier, He is our only hope in life and death. Without Him, we've got nothing. By faith, the Passover was kept. Notice this. You say, well, the Passover and the sacrifice of that lamb was a work. Well, it had better be done by faith or else it would avail nothing. Every sacrifice in the Old Testament, you say, well, that's a work. It must be done by faith. Without, it means nothing. This is why we find in Hebrews chapter 11 that those were saved and used of God by faith, by faith, by faith. By faith in what? By faith in the Lord's promise and provision. His Word and His work. Where there is no faith, there is no salvation. Saving faith is faith that trusts in the provided salvation of God. God has provided salvation. The blood of Jesus is available today but the difference between you and someone who will die and go to heaven or hell, the difference between the two is this, is whether or not it has been applied by faith alone. God saves and God sustains. Notice as well, the Passover provided sustenance. Physically that night, they had quite the feast. They have the roast lamb, unleavened bread with bitter herbs, how many of y'all going to go eat that this afternoon? Y'all go to Crooked Oak and ask for those bitter herbs? <laughs> no. You're going to get fried chicken and a mess of okra, ain't you? <laughs> That's what I'd get. But he gives instruction to them about how to eat it. He says, don't eat it raw. Don't boil it. Roast it with fire. 
we find the bitter herbs, the very process of it all points to Jesus' death and the way in which He would die for us. The things that He would physically face and spiritually face. But that Passover would provide food and unleavened bread provided for them for the exodus as well as the wilderness wanderings. We find then spiritually, it provided, according to verse 14, a memorial of God's salvation and exodus and redemption of His Passover forever and forever. So as we come to this Easter week, as we come to even this Palm Sunday, I want you to know, Jesus didn't just ride into that, on, the, on that donkey into that town that day just to, to have some folks get all excited about His coming. He came as the Lamb of God for one reason and one reason only, to be slain for sinners. That's it. As Matthew tells us, Jesus says that He came to give His life a ransom for many. He came to lay down His life for us. Now take your Bible and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. This is the message this morning. And it's quick. I want you to see this. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. Here Paul is writing to the Corinthians and he's telling them to get their act together. We want to talk about a messed up church. The Corinthians were the messed up church. They were. They give us some hope, don't they? He said, well, we haven't made it to their point, so we must be doing all right. But nevertheless, the, the truth remains. What he tells them here, you and I must heed to as well. He says, purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. It is time that you and I, the church of God, gets rid of the leaven of sin in our life and that we trust once more day by day, not just for salvation, but for the sustaining power to live this Christian life in the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. He has provided all that we need in the precious blood of Christ. Now we see here the Passover prophecy. This is how we end our day. The prophecy that's given in Exodus 12 is prophetic to point to Christ, to show that He is the Passover Lamb. John the Baptist would reiterate, Behold the Lamb. We find that Jesus fulfills it, riding it on that donkey with lambs all around Him. As they enter into that city for the Passover feast, we find that the only lamb that week that mattered was riding on that donkey. The first Passover prophesies about the last And although Passover has been still kept, Jesus is the true, better, and only satisfactory Lamb of God. Christ, who is our Passover. Christ, the Passover Lamb. Here's what we know about Him. He, like the Lamb in Exodus 12, is selected. But much more, He's not selected by man. As a matter of fact, mankind didn't choose Jesus because they didn't want Jesus. They chose Barabbas over Jesus. His own people. You want to know when Jesus was selected to be the Lamb of God? Before the foundation of the world. Long before sin entered the world, Christ said, I'll be the Lamb. Look at this. 1 Peter chapter 1 tells us this. Verse 19 and 20, But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a Lamb without blemish and without spot, 
who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Jesus died in the last days. He died for sinners. He died and was slain. But as it were before the foundation of the world, before let there be light, Jesus was the Lamb of God, the full and perfect, complete, satisfactory Lamb who knew before He did anything else, one day He would lay down His life for those He would create and those who would reject Him. The cross was not a plan B. The cross was the plan. It is the plan. The only plan. Not only was He selected, but He was scrutinized and found to be spotless. Matter of fact, those that judged Him on that day of His crucifixion said, I find no fault in Him. I wash my hands. As a matter of fact, what they find over and over and over again, as we find all throughout, none could trip up Jesus because He was untrippable. He was the God-man. Not just that He would not sin, but that He could not sin. Wholly surrendered to the will of the Father, which was to crush Him. And wholly surrendered to the work of the Spirit, which was to have Him poured out. And notice that Jesus only died when He says, Father, into Thy hands I commend My Spirit. The Romans didn't take His life. The Jews didn't take His life. He gave His life. And if He never says those words, He won't die on that cross no matter how long He stays. He gave up His life for us. Look at this. We find that He's scrutinized and He's found to be, as 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 says, a lamb without blemish, without spot. Just a chapter over in chapter 2 tells us this, For even hereunto we are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in His footsteps. You think suffering is not a Christian thing? It is the most Christian thing that there is who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. He was a lamb led to the slaughter. Isaiah 53 talks about it. He could have spoken up. He could have said anything. He could have called down the angels. He could have, he could have wiped out everyone that was beating him and nailing him to a tree, and instead, he didn't. He could have judged those that judged him worthy of death. Said he died for them. He was slain for sinners as a substitute. He took our place. First Peter chapter two verse twenty-four, who in his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes you were healed, not by yours, not by my, not, not by mine, by his alone. Furthermore, here's what we find. Here's the message. Jesus is our Passover lamb. All four things that that Passover lamb gave to them in Egypt, Christ does much greater for us today. Jesus is our substitute. Either you die for your sins, which ain't going to be good enough, or you trust in the substitutionary death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. My blood won't do. Your blood won't do. There is no other blood that will satisfy except for Jesus Christ alone. He is our substitute. Jesus died so you don't have to. Jesus died so I don't have to. He is my substitute. 
Second, He's my safety. Jesus Himself holds me in His hand. He's in the hands of the Father, therefore no man can pluck me. There's no more safe or secure of a place than to be in the nail-scarred hand of the Lamb of God. He holds us fast. He holds us sure. And He'll never let us go. He is our safety. To be covered and cleansed and clothed by His blood, there is no safer place. There is, as a matter of fact, no safety from God's just judgment outside of Jesus' blood and righteousness. Got nothing but His blood and righteousness. Third, Jesus is our salvation. By grace, through faith, in Christ alone are we covered by His blood and clothed in His righteousness. Outside of that, we've got nothing. So you know what today Palm Sunday is about? It's about the Gospel. You know what Easter's about? It's about the Gospel. You know what the Sunday after that, when you forget all about it and we go back to normal life, it's about the Gospel. You know what your average Tuesday afternoon's about? It's about the Gospel. Our life is about the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ to the glory of God the Father. Lastly, Jesus is our sustenance. Christ sustains us in the wilderness of this world and will bring us to the promised land to be with Him. One day, you and I will be out of this world and one day, finally, the world will be all the way out of us. That's what we need. So we bring this to a close today. I know this isn't earth-shattering or some sort of new news, but you know something... For you who don't know Christ today, if you're in here to this place, you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, you're still not sure about heaven being your home, this is the message that you need. You are right now in the most unsafe place in the entire universe right now without Christ. The only safe place is to turn to Him. You must put your trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You will then in that instant be able to be cleansed by the fountain of blood of Jesus that covers us, that cleanses us now. And He gives us His righteousness. We give Him all of our filth. We give Him everything that we are. And He gives us Himself. You will be saved and secure under the day of redemption. For those of you who have heard this a million times, is there anything sweeter? We used to sing songs about this. It's, we haven't sung it, I don't know, if in quite a little while. But I love to tell the story. That old, old story. I love it because it's true. It's going to be our theme in glory. Jesus and His blood. Jesus and His blood. Today, whether you are lost or saved, you need to know this simple truth. The blood of Jesus Christ, the Passover lamb, is available. For you who don't know Christ, it's available for you to be saved. It must be applied by faith. Put your trust in His finished work. But today, those of you who are living your Christian life, those of you who say, well, I've been saved. I've been born again. That's wonderful. Praise God. How is your Christian life right now? Your only power in the Christian life flows from the same life source. The blood of the Lamb of God. He's not just the substitute for your salvation, but the substitute for your sanctification. Put your trust in Him alone today. Get back to Calvary where the Lamb of God was slain for us. Are you safely today covered by the blood of the Passover Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ? I want to give you this hymn. Another one we haven't sung, and it's a great one. 
I want to give it to you in its entirety. It is, my faith has found a resting place. Any of y'all familiar with that one? A couple of you. No? Oh man, Mr. Ann, we'll fix that, all right? Listen to these words and we'll be done. My faith has found a resting place. From guilt my soul is freed. I trust the ever-living One. His wounds for me shall plead. You might know the refrain here. I'd need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that He died for me. Enough for me that Jesus saves. This ends my fear and doubt. A sinful soul, I came to Him. He'll never cast me out. I'd need no other argument. I'd need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that He died for me. My heart is leaning on the Word, the written Word of God. Salvation by my Savior's name. Salvation through His blood. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that He died for me. My great physician heals the sick, the lost He came to save. For me, His precious blood He shed. For me, His life He gave. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that He died for me. Are you trusting in the blood of the Lamb today? Not just for your salvation, but to sustain you today, dear believer, in the wilderness of this world. One day the promised land is coming, but until that day, day by day, be renewed and refreshed by the precious Lamb of God that will sustain you until the day we see the Lamb as He was slain with His outstretched arms, welcoming us into His presence, with His nail-pierced hands, His nail-pierced side, clothed in white with eyes as a flame of fire. He will judge the nations. He will judge the unrighteous. But those of us who are in Christ Jesus, He shall wipe away every tear, draw us into His presence, and so shall we ever be with the Lord, our Passover Lamb. Let's all stand this morning. Today, if you have a need, Come to this old-fashioned altar. Let me take the Bible and show you Christ. Put your trust in the precious Lamb of God. Today, if you're struggling in your Christian walk, come. Be cleansed and clothed once more. Look to Him for strength. Trust in His blood to sustain you all the way. Praise Him for His work. Praise our Passover Lamb. What hymn are we singing, brother?